Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and Christian living. Crossroads is part of the media ministry at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Get to know us by visiting us online at fapc.org. Hi, I'm Jamie Staley, and I'm the Director of Christian Education at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. April is upon us, and for many people, that means a celebration of Earth Day. I, for one, am hoping that the weather improves and we have a chance to get out and enjoy God's Earth a little more. Today, I am being joined by my friend Colleen Earp, who is a self-proclaimed geography nerd and the Associate Director of Outdoor Ministry at Camp Hanover in Virginia. Colleen holds her MDiv from Union Presbyterian Seminary and her Master's in Geography from Rutgers University. And when I was thinking about who I'd like to speak to about God and creation and earth, there was not a single person who jumped into my mind before Colleen. So Colleen, thank you so much for joining me today. It is so good to talk with you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. You know, Earth Day is often seems well it is a a, a, you know a a secular holiday and I say that with air quotes as a holiday what would you say is the relationship uh between Earth Day and this celebration um and and we as as Christians as as Presbyterians um and what we believe about about how we care for the earth for me Earth Day uh, always resonates as a, a spiritual and religious holiday. Uh, I defended my master's thesis for geography uh, when Earth Day and Good Friday were the same day. And there was something just incredibly holy about that experience of, um, I, I did miss church that Good Friday because of <laughs> when they scheduled my defense um, at a public institution. So nobody was paying attention to the uh, the religious calendar. Um but there was something absolutely holy about going to talk about uh, environmental issues. Uh, my master's thesis had to do with invasive species in agriculture. Uh, so thinking about environmental problems and thinking about my faith in God who created all of these things and called on us to take care of it, uh, which we haven't always done the best job of, of course. Uh, which we're seeing the effects of all over the place. Uh, so for me, those things are just forever tied together. Um, but I, my faith is so deeply rooted in the environment around me and seeing all of the different parts of creation and knowing that I am part of that and so are you and so is everyone else listening with us today. Um, and that just gives me uh, just absolute awe for the world around me uh, and and for loving my neighbor and for loving my God with my whole self. Mm. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned um, earth care as peacemaking. And that's interesting. I hadn't, I, I guess those two words just really hadn't clicked in my mind as being related. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Of course. Um, So when I think about peacemaking, I think about uh, taking an active part in caring for the world around me, Uh, all of the people, all of my neighbors, even my enemies, uh, 
that that it's an active thing though it's not just a i'm not actively being part of war so i'm obviously doing peace uh no peacemaking is active work and so environmental care as a form of peacemaking is just actively stewarding the environment in good ways remembering that we are all connected that we all need these resources to survive and to thrive uh, so if I'm over here damaging my corner of creation, that might not have a direct impact on you in New York, uh, but it is all connected. And so the overall picture is not a good one when we're hurting creation. And on the other side of that, when we're taking care of the earth around us, uh, even though Charlottesville, Virginia is not directly connected to New York City, you know, there's only one amount of water on this planet Uh and so if I'm being a good steward of my water, uh, ultimately that's going to serve you and serve everyone else around the world. And to me, that's an active way to practice peacemaking, um, that we can be at peace with creation and for creation, including one another. Mm, I love that. Do you have any um, examples of places you've seen this this done or places that do this well? Um or times. Yeah, so I think about this, a really clear example of this for me is thinking about the Mississippi River watershed. I served as a YAV in South Louisiana for a year and my mm. role there was- Can you tell us what a YAV is real quick? I can tell you what a YAV Thanks. is. Young Adult Volunteers is the PCUSA Young Adult uh, Mission Service Corps um, for people 18 to 30-ish. Uh, there are placements all over the US and world where um, young adults can spend a year in service and personal discernment and intentional Christian community so cool. um, to do good stuff and figure out uh, how ministry happens in a million different ways, uh, awesome. even outside it's the pulpit. So yeah, cool. it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Highly <laughs> recommend to all of your young adults. Uh, Yes. So I served as a YAV for a year in South Louisiana, and my specific placement was connected with a church that was uh, focused on advocacy and education for the wetlands of South Louisiana, which is an incredibly important environment. Uh, at its best, it helps to absorb floodwaters and uh, incoming storm surges from major hurricanes and other Gulf storms. Um, at its worst, it is eroding rapidly at a rate of close to two football fields an hour. Wow. Uh, the, they're seeing massive die-offs of uh, some of the trees down there and some of the other uh, plants and animals that are native to that region. Uh, and that's hurting the shrimping industry. That's hurting the water supply. That's hurting. It hurts everything. Uh, so this precious environment uh, is really, really important. Uh and so my role as a YAV uh, was to, I, I would meet with groups on mission trips to South Louisiana and give them um, some environmental education to give some bigger context. You know, mm -hmm. if you come to New Orleans to rebuild houses post-Katrina, um, it's really helpful to understand environmentally why Katrina was as bad as it was. You know, mm -hmm. it was as bad as it was because hurricanes can get bad on the Gulf. It's as bad as it was because climate change is real. And the effects were as bad as they were because there weren't any environmental defenses. There weren't uh, as many environmental defenses at the ready to protect uh, the communities of South Louisiana. And mm. then, of course, there was the human disaster of not taking care of each other mm. and not uh, preparing or responding to that disaster well. Yeah. Uh, 
so my work, I did education. I also did uh, active conservation work. I would be out in bayous and rivers, planting trees and grasses, wading into the water up to my waist, waving to the alligators <laughs> swimming by. Yikes. It was, <laughs> it was I, I loved it so much. It was a really great opportunity to um, be literally hands-on with the environmental work that I cared so much about, but also to do it in a faith-based context and recognize that God also loves these trees and grasses yeah. and alligators and bayous and and the people who are waiting in the bayous and the people who yeah. are shrimping in the bayous. You know, all of these things are connected. So that's Louisiana, uh, incredibly important place. Uh, erosion is happening right off of the, the Gulf Coast of the United States. But if you consider the bigger watershed, the Mississippi River watershed is... Um, maybe 30 states and a couple of Canadian provinces. So we're talking rivers and streams pouring into each other from really far away. Millions of people live in this watershed uh, and everything that's happening upstream is collecting right down there Mm. at the bottom of Louisiana. So all of that agriculture happening in the middle of our country, all of the pesticides, all of the fertilizers that are washing off of those fields, all of that soil erosion washing into the Mississippi River. Oh, wow ends up right down in South Louisiana in the end, further polluting and harming that environment. And it's collective, right? It's not any one person who uh, is trying to raise food for their community. It's not any one person who's making a bad choice and throwing garbage out their window that washes into a stream. It adds up. So after my Yavir, I also had the opportunity a couple years later with the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship to go... uh, go bear witness to what was going on at Standing Rock in mm. North Dakota um, and to be present and to support the the water protectors there. And the Cannonball River, where our camp was, is uh, some of the headwaters of the Mississippi River. And yeah. so this is right. So we've got a, a very obvious connection there, um, but also a very spiritual connection that here are a group of people desperately trying to protect these waters from pipelines being laid and eventually leaking Hmm. from all of the destruction and pollution that comes with such a project like that. Um, Not just the physical environment, but the spiritual environment that this is home. This is the land they have known for generations. Hmm. This is where their loved ones are buried. This is so many things. And so, you know, a huge group of people came together to protect the water at Standing Rock, uh, and how many steps there are in between Standing Rock and South Louisiana, uh, that that water just hurts more and more the entire way down, and how people are affected uh, who rely on that water for drinking, for cooking, for bathing, for a food source um, with shellfish living in it and fishing in it, uh, and all of the other wildlife and parts of the ecosystem that come with it. Mm. So when I think about uh, peacemaking, (laughs) environmental care as peacemaking, If we are to, one, make peace with the planet, we need to be taking the best care of it we can because it's all connected. That water Mm. from the Cannonball River in North Dakota and the water of the very end of the Mississippi River is connected and into the Gulf of Mexico and the entire world. So there's peace with creation. But then there's also the fact that we are part of this creation. We're not separate from it. God created us right along within it. Uh, And so if we're not taking care of these resources as best we can and protecting them and restoring them as best we can, we are hurting our neighbors. And that is an act of violence. Yeah. I I just, 
I'm really glad that you put those two terms together because I think I'm going to be able to think of it in the, in that way, you know, that it just makes so much sense. And I don't think I've ever put those two words together. When you, um, are looking to the Bible for, um, places in scripture where, you know, Genesis one, I know that's, you know, when we are thinking about creation, is there anywhere else that you see a real call uh, to uh, take care of the earth or or God's relationship with the earth in scripture? I could spend forever on Genesis 1. Honestly, I just find so much richness and depth in that story uh, that it's not just here's a nice explanation for how we ended up with every tree, bird, rock, river, grain of sand, cloud in the sky and person Um, that story is so much deeper than that for me because it's a story that builds on itself that we that we can't have uh, we can't have plants without land and without water and we can't have animals without plants to eat and water to drink right like all of creation is connected and builds on itself Um, and the fact that we are created as part of it and in God's image uh, just never gets old for me. Mm. And I think about us being created in God's image that God created all of this and called it good. And if we are to reflect God's image in this world, then it's our job to also call all of this good and affirm Mm. it and care for it. Uh, So I could just stay in Genesis one forever, but I do appreciate (laughs) there's, there's a lot else. I know that you have uh, a lot of ideas for ways that people can care for the earth. And and I think specifically, I know that I think we, you know, we hear, you know, all all sorts of ideas. Specifically, do you have some ways, well, share them all with us, but specifically, do you have some ways as well um, that people can really make this kind of almost a, 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 a reminder of, you know, almost a devotional practice of remembering um, that this is part of who God has called us to be? Yes, I have a thousand ideas. I love it. We could honestly, we could spend uh, 10 podcasts talking about how to better take care of the earth, right? There's infinity different ways we can be gentler to creation. Uh, And the reality comes down to two things, as best I can tell. And those two things are, uh, it doesn't matter what we do. Individual actions don't matter. And the second thing is, individual, individual actions matter a lot. And so what I mean is individual actions don't matter. So much of what is going on with our planet, with climate change especially, is largely these huge corporations that Mm -hmm. I, Colleen, and you, Jamie, can't fix on our own. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it's incredibly important to be a good steward of what we got, to recycle what we can, to to reduce our our consumption and our waste uh, even before we get to recycling. but you and I can't fix the biggest problems on our own. So our individual actions don't matter in that uh, you shouldn't lose sleep that we we can't do it perfectly. We do need to consume resources Phew. to survive. Right. And our individual actions do matter a whole lot because individually, uh, when, we, when we build this into our patterns and our routines and our spiritual practices, uh, that changes us. And... Mm that brings us together. And I think together we can accomplish a whole lot more and advocate a whole lot more together. Um, So whatever your individual practices are, uh, I think grounding that in this call to care for creation is 
is really helpful. Uh, and I like thinking about Genesis 2, when God specifically says, this is the garden, till it and keep it. Or sometimes those words are translated as um, uh, serve and preserve the hmm. garden. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot, uh, to serve creation, to serve the environment around us, uh, because it's it's serving us too. We can't survive without these resources. So if we're not taking care of those resources, we're, we're hurting ourselves. Um, so to serve the environment so that we can better utilize those resources and take care of each other in that way uh, is a really wonderful spiritual grounding for me. I think there is something really powerful about connecting it to connecting environmental care to your food habits, um, to know where your food came from, whether that's growing it yourself or finding a local farmer's market uh, or getting familiar with uh, somebody who raises these things. I know that's a challenge in a city. There's not a whole lot of farm landscape, but even just thinking about limiting that radius as you can, there are farmer's markets in New York City, mm -hmm. and most mm -hmm. of them are working with farms in New Jersey, in Connecticut, in upstate New York, right? So it's it's a smaller radius than, say, getting your very out-of-season tomato uh, in the middle of winter that clearly came from another hemisphere. Mm. So thinking about uh, eating more seasonally, eating uh, as local as possible, reducing meat consumption, um, every little bit helps. Uh, while I'm a vegetarian, I know that's definitely not right for everyone, uh, but even just cutting meat out of a couple meals a week uh, makes a huge difference. Our meat industry is incredibly tough on the planet. Um, so food is one of my favorite ways to, to think about and engage with our relationship with the earth. Um, but other than that, uh, I mean, I really, every little bit helps me to stay focused on this as sort of a baseline practice that every little bit that I can recycle, every little bit that I don't buy, so I don't have to figure out how to recycle it. Um, so finding food in um, reusable containers, buying in bulk in reusable containers, or making sure to buy things that are easier to recycle, like cardboard or aluminum cans instead of plastics. Uh, making things from scratch as much as I can so the food isn't coming in packages in the first place. Um, mm. Thinking about reducing our waste, I think, is a, a huge growing edge as a society right now. We, we have some families with children, uh, not a ton, um, but I always, as a parent, like to make sure that when we are chatting, we always include a little bit of something about people with kids. And, and you work at a camp, so <laughs> so you, yes. do, you do things with kids all the time. Is there, you know, is there a great way to talk about um, earth care with kids that just kind of gets them involved and, um, you know, and I know you know the key when you're talking to kids is is little little chats and make sure you're the um giving the leading by example um uh, but is there a specific something that you just a, a tip for parents in in this in this process I think you nailed it with leading by example I think these conversations come up all over the place uh and they're not going to come up if you're never going outside or you're never exploring mm -hmm. anything in the environment or you're never watching a nature documentary or or finding these ways to engage you know getting nature books out of the library uh, there is, in fact, nature in New York City and tons of it. Urban nature definitely oh, yeah. looks different than being out in a rural space. But uh, 
you know, what would it be like to do a scavenger hunt with a field guide that mm. you, you get out of the library or if you have a copy of your own? Uh, go learn to identify five trees uh, while you're out on a walk. Um, pro tip, it's way easier to identify trees when they have leaves. Bark is hard. <laughs> I Yeah, I think it's the leading by example. I think um, Fred Rogers uh, would often say this, and he learned it from Dr. Margaret McFarland, who was a child development specialist uh, who advised him for much of his work. Uh, and she would say, attitudes aren't taught, they're caught. Mm. And so if if we are stretching ourselves to be out in nature, even if it's a little uncomfortable, even if we don't like bugs or mud or whatever it is that makes it, you know, not our favorite thing to be outside super outdoorsy enthusiasts, I think trying to stretch ourselves a little bit to be in those different spaces, to go to a park or to notice the trees as you walk down the street or to notice someone's garden as you walk down the street, I think that kids notice these things. Mm. And if you treat it with, if you treat any nature that you interact with, with reverence and awe, I think that's contagious. And I think that, I really do think kids notice that. Yeah. And so when I'm leading activities with kids at camp, I am just excited about everything. <laughs> they know, like, we're gonna get excited about every wildflower we find. We're gonna get excited about every like weird, skeleton fungus mushroom anything we find in the woods i am i am so there and so excited for whatever they point out that they want to learn more about and if i don't know the answer i tell them that but i'm still going to get really excited we'll take some pictures we'll go back and learn about it uh, from some of the books on my shelf when we're mm -hmm. done hiking uh, but i try to inspire awe in creation around us uh, because if they don't notice it they're not going to want to learn more or take care of it if yeah. they if they don't even see that it's there it's not going to be a priority to take care of mm, yeah and I think that's true for us as adults too that uh, need for awe you know it's, we can see things because we see them every day and they lose that um, but really taking that time mm, I like that I can find, I am awed by every little thing about creation <laughs> and I, I can find creation everywhere, right? Like go out and stomp in some puddles after a rainstorm. Go, you know, go, if you find a bug in the apartment or house, throw it outside, <laughs> you know, don't squish it, but like take the moment to look at the bug, um, catch it in a glass if you're not into touching bugs. You know, there's so many ways to to interact with these things, even if it's not your most comfortable thing. I, I think uh, it's, it's worth the time to figure out how to make it comfortable and accessible uh, so that we can learn about it and we can appreciate it and we can take care of it. Mm. I, you know, I, I want to just kind of ask one final question that really is kind of just leading it, leaving it up to you. What, you know, if you wanted to let people know, um, you know, kind of what, what are you passionate about when it comes to <laughs> the, the earth? Everything! And, and, yeah, everything, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but what, you know, as, um, as someone who is, you know, uh, with this, with your theological background as well, um, what, what are you really passionate about that you just want everyone to know about, um, about God's earth? 
Can I talk about soil for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel was, like I was felt like we were missing something from this conversation with no mention of soil. Soil soil <laughs> soil is one of those underappreciated things because we only really ever take the time to look at what's right at the surface. So I I came to appreciate soil several years ago. I was volunteering with the USDA and I was so fortunate to be paired with a soil scientist who just was in absolute awe of every soil pit we dug. Just the colors, the textures, whatever rocks were in there, whatever roots were sticking out. This man was here for it. Um, and attitudes aren't taught, they're caught. And yeah. I was there for it. Uh, so I grew to appreciate what's below the surface. We would we would dig a pit and study what was in it. And let me tell you, there are just fascinating colors and, and really interesting things going on below the surface. Um, and a skilled soil scientist can dig a hole and take a look at it and give you thousands of years of environmental history for that spot. Mm. I am not an expert at this, but I'm still just absolutely fascinated that so many different looking things could develop over hundreds and thousands of years right beneath our feet mm. and we barely see any of it uh but it's all there mm. kind of keeping track of what's going on uh way longer than any of us are going to be here and and that's the stuff that that supports us right like soil is where our food comes from mm. and i'm just absolutely fascinated by this connection to something that we often brush off as dirt. Mm. And so I use the word soil because soil implies that it can sustain life, that there are, you know, all kinds of microbial things crawling around in it, that there are insects, that there are worms, that there's water passing through it. Uh, when we call it dirt, that, you know, that's what's on your, your pants at the end of a day <laughs> working in the soil. Um, that's what's left over under your fingernails. But that's mm. not this life-sustaining stuff beneath our feet. Uh, and so I just have a huge appreciation for soil uh, and feel like it is way uh, underappreciated, underrated, uh, and just not noticed as much. But there mm. you go. You want to you wanna show the kids something interesting. Go find somewhere to dig a little bit of a hole and see what you can find down there. Mm. Uh, it's you know, if it's sandy, if it's clay, if it's got rocks in it, if it if it's doesn't, uh, it's it's amazing how much it varies across space, yeah. uh, and how much uh, how much life is in it, and how much it gives us life by sustaining our food, our entire food supply. Mm. It's it's amazing stuff, and I think, uh, yeah. Soil. There you go. Soils. <laughs> Let's go with soil. <laughs> Colleen, your enthusiasm for soil really, honestly, it just, it just, it's, it's amazing. First of all, does the person that you know that you learned all the soil stuff know that you are also on board with soil now? Like, is that? Yes. Okay. We had the best time. I volunteered hundreds of hours with him. Um, I'm going to have to send him this podcast now. I volunteered <laughs> hundreds of hours with him, uh, just digging holes and learning about the environment to figure out the best way to do conservation practices mm. at the surface, to get ideas about erosion patterns so that we could better use these resources. Uh, you know, it's really easy to love trees and birds and, you know, butterflies and flowers and all of the things that we can see and that are pretty and that are really obvious. You know, it's easy to love the ocean or a beautiful river running by. Uh, I feel like soil doesn't get nearly enough attention. <laughs> uh, but for what it's worth, I love all of these different parts of creation. 
Well, you are a good soil advocate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and also, it's it's interesting because of your enthusiasm for soil. It really it it seems to almost be like it gets me excited about all of the things that God has created that we don't see. Like you said, you know, soil is under the ground and it's all these layers that we never see. And there's so much in um, God's creation that we don't, we either take advantage of, or we, we just, we don't, don't see, we, you know, there's, there's layers and layers. Um, and, and And your enthusiasm and your excitement, I think is something that is missing in for most of us, we don't get all excited, but I think that this hopefully um, <laughs> we can go out and be excited about about something. May it whether it's soil that's a that's a question. But um, find find your thing. There's so much to choose from. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I, you know, I think that um, it's easy for me to pass over Earth Day and maybe decide that I'm gonna pick up a few more pieces of litter on the road or um, do something that's just um, small but important mm-hmm. um, uh, but I love the excitement that um, that you've brought t- to this conversation and also the depth with the idea of uh, of earth care as peacemaking um, and I think those two things uh, I'm really going to take and, and hopefully um, think about those as, as I move through this month so Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Colleen. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Happy Earth Day. Thanks. You too. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Crossroads. Managing Editor, Jamie Staley. And Editors, Vashina Brisbane, Kelly Picayo, and Emily Dombrough.